0: This is the Raising Freethinkers podcast. I'm Dale McGowan, author of Parenting Beyond Belief and Raising Freethinkers, books for raising compassionate, curious kids without religion. I have three kids. At the moment, they are 26, 24, and 20, but they didn't used to be. I've been an atheist pretty much forever. My wife is also an atheist, but she didn't used to be. She was a Christian when we got married 30 years ago. A Southern Baptist, to be precise, but still very nice. We lived in Minnesota when the kids were young, and they went to a Lutheran preschool. It was a great program, but I wondered at first if I was going to regret enrolling them in a church-affiliated school. By the end of my son's first year there, I was convinced it was a good decision. For one thing, our kids got a basic, low-key, brimstone-free exposure to religious ideas, which is an essential part of cultural literacy. But one day I became concerned that something else had crept in. Not indoctrination, not fear of hell. It was simpler and possibly even worse. I was following my four-year-old boy up the stairs of our home, and I said, Connor, look at you. Why are you growing so fast? He turned without missing a beat and said, I don't know. I guess God just wants me to grow. I didn't break anything in my subsequent fall down the stairs. Thanks for your cards and letters. But that reply would make a lot of parents all warm and woobly inside. (laughs) Me, not so much. It was a sucker punch to the heart. It wasn't the god part of his answer that bothered me, not really. This was his first utterly incurious reply. Connor has always been a fantastically curious kid. I saw him once, off by himself, at the edge of our local wading pool, oblivious to a hundred other screaming, splashing kids, studying a tiny plant growing from a crack in the cement for a good fifteen minutes. That is my boy. But there on the stairs, his reply said that he didn't have to care or wonder about his own transformation from infancy to kidhood. He'd handed off that question to God. And I didn't know yet what to do with that. Now, some atheist parents would say the answer is obvious. I should say, ah, you know, funny thing about God, he's not real. But your dad is, and I'm standing behind you on the stairs, and I'm six foot one, Maybe that has something to do with it. But here's the thing. No one ever said that to me. It wasn't an intentional strategy by my parents. They were just too busy to push any metaphysical answers on me of any kind. But they did manage to instill a strong curiosity about the world that made me want answers. And because none were dictated to me, because I did it all myself, I am standing on a foundation of my own construction, and I know every brick in that foundation because I put it there. I eventually knew that I wanted him to have the same deep satisfaction that I have of standing on a foundation of his own construction. But I didn't quite know how to do that yet, so I said nothing. This ended up being a transformative moment for me. It kicked off a whole new phase in my life, that moment on the stairs. The next morning, the day after attending our Baptist church, I dropped my son off at his Lutheran preschool and headed off to my job at a Catholic college. But I did these things with a new perspective, a new sense of purpose. I was going to figure out how to raise my kids as a non-religious parent, This was slightly complicated by the fact that my wife was going to be raising them as a religious parent. We were going to have to work out the details between us. Much more on that later. A few weeks later, unprompted, Connor told me confidently that God is pretend. And When I asked him why he thought that, he said, astronauts have gone way up in space and they never saw him. Okay, a straw man. Uh, right answer, maybe, but the wrong reason. But I wondered, do I even say, "Uh, write about the God part, let's work on your footnotes? How do I avoid indoctrinating him, but at the same time not give the impression that I think there are equally good arguments on both sides? So I praised him for thinking about it at all, and then I went after not the answer, but the reasoning, in the way a thoughtful Christian might have. Actually, I said, most people who believe in God don't think he lives up in the sky anymore. They say he's a spirit who is everywhere and invisible. He paused. Okay, then I do believe in God. So I said, how come you think he's real now? And he said, because the people who wrote the Bible said he's real. (laughs) That's true, they did. But hey, wait a minute. How do we know they were right? I mean, people wrote a lot of other books that said completely different things. It's a Socratic thing. Now I had nudged him from both sides of the question. We had a great discussion, and I left feeling that things had gone pretty well. But I still wasn't sure. I was still kind of flying blind. And I started to realize that the same scenes had to have been going on every minute of every day all over the world. And that how parents handle the questioning moment has everything to do with how well the next generation will think. That doesn't mean I'm indifferent about where they end up. I certainly want them to reject the more toxic forms of religion. But I only want them to join me in that assessment if they come to it on their own. It's too important to do any other way. Now, that may seem self-contradictory, but it isn't. I also want my kids to reject racism, for example, but not just because I say so. They must see why it's bad. And the strongest way to come to that conclusion is by coming to it independently and not simply having it dictated to them. If I tell them racism is bad because I say it's bad and my authority later fades in their eyes, that opinion is likely to fade along with it. An opinion founded on their own reason, on the other hand, is only likely to be dethroned by their own reason. So they've grown up knowing my opinions, and I know they've considered those opinions. But if I really want them to reject racism and the toxic forms of religion, the very best thing I can do is encourage them to develop their thinking skills. Both racism and toxic religion fall to tatters under critical examination. So we have to teach our kids to think well and then trust them to do so. In matters of religion, that means keeping them off balance and undeclared until they are old enough to make their own decisions. If in the meantime they've trained their minds well, I'm confident those decisions will be good ones. Okay, fast forward six years. Connor's youngest sister, Delaney, is now four and going to the same Lutheran preschool. And she came to me one day and announced that she had finally figured out, as she put it, the God and Jesus thing. She'd heard about these guys at school, but her teacher had never quite clarified the division of labor between them. So Laney made up her own theology. Jesus, she said, made all the good things in the world, and God made all the bad and scary things. So puppies and PBS are from Jesus, and hurricanes and Fox News are God's thing. You know a lot of religious parents hearing that would inform the child of the correct version. Very few, I think, would let her sleep on the idea that God just might be the source of all evil. But I think a lot of non-religious parents do little better when they say, oh, no, 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 God is pretend. In both cases, the parents are substituting their authority for the child's autonomous thought. My goal was to praise the independent thought and let my child run with it. It's good practice. So I said, cool. I never thought of it like that, which is true. Sure enough, the very next week she promulgated a revised encyclical. God, she said, makes all the things for grown-ups, and Jesus makes the things for kids. My favorite example, she said, God made the deep end of the pool and Jesus made the shallow end for her. So I hugged her and said, So God for me and Jesus for you, huh? I guess so, she said. I'm not sure. I'm still thinking about it. At age four, that is the world's best answer. A lot of other ages, too. Later that same year on the way home from that Lutheran preschool, Delaney told me about a chat that she'd had that day with Mrs. W., her teacher. I told Mrs. W. I think God is just pretend, she said. But I said, I'm still thinking about it. And I asked her if she thinks God is pretend. Age four is absolute magic for that kind of thing. Much younger or older, and that kind of question just doesn't get asked. I said, so what did Mrs. W. say? She said, I think God is very real. Uh Uh-huh. And what did you say? I said, That's okay, as long as you're still thinking about it, too. Fifteen years later, that sentence still brings a catch to my throat. That's okay, she said, because it would never occur to her that we all have to believe the same things. <laughs> and then the caveat against the closed process. Now, how many people of religious faith ever hear that their faith is okay only so long as it remains open to disconfirmation? It was the very next year that I started work on Parenting Beyond Belief, and by that time, I knew that free thought was the foundation of my parenting. Free thought, not atheism. Be completely honest about your point of view, but then make it clear to your kids that you're inviting them to differ from you, inviting them to ask questions about what you believe and why and inviting them to actively explore other beliefs and ultimately to choose their own, knowing that you will love them no less if they end up believing differently from you. That's all I'd ever ask of a religious parent, that they share their beliefs and even the traditions and rituals around those beliefs, but say, here's what I believe with all my heart. It's very important to me. I think it's true, but these are things each person has to decide for herself And I want you to talk to people who have different beliefs so you can make up your own mind. You can even change your mind a thousand times. There's no penalty for getting it wrong. And I will love you no less if you end up believing differently from me. Imagine if that was the norm. Imagine kids growing up with an invitation to engage these profound questions freely and without fear. If a child raised in a traditional church were to hear those same invitations to free thought from parents, from the pulpit, and in the Sunday school, that would be religion without indoctrination. I don't need a world free of religion. I will gladly settle for a world free of indoctrination. The Raising Freethinkers podcast is a production of Only Sky Media, exploring the whole human experience from the secular perspective. Visit us online at onlysky.media. Thanks for listening. I'm Dale McGowan. See you next time for Raising Freethinkers.